Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, welcome everyone. Again, I'm Pastor Cameron. So glad that you're here this Easter morning to celebrate with us. And we're going to continue our and conclude our series this month on the Passion, which is the week uh, that leads up to Jesus's crucifixion and of course today we're celebrating the resurrection we've already looked at the last supper <clears throat> oh by the way uh this is the first time I've been here since I got back from Japan right it went great <laughs> so the whole time travel thing kind of throws you off and uh and I've done so much since I've been back I've had I don't even know how many services that I've done Vine and Vandalia and everything but <clears throat> we had an awesome time and in Japan with our sister church, Every Nation Izu, formerly uh, it was Hope International. They changed the name to Every Nation. Izu is a city as well as the peninsula that they're located at. Um, and it was a great time. Anthony and I uh, ministered there uh, and uh, encouraged them as well as met with a number of other uh, pastors uh, from that region. And then we spent a week in Thailand encouraging Sam, Samantha and Tim Gordon, who are uh, doing lots of things. They're continuing their mission work in China, as well as uh, ministering to uh, girls caught in the slave trade. Great testimony. We prayed for one of the g- girls. We actually went t- to the street with a team and ministered to I don't know how many countless people. But um, she g- got contact information from as many as she could uh, and uh, heard uh, within a week after we did that ministry one of the workers in one of the bars, um, we had prayed for her son because her son had been in a motorcycle accident and was had severe mental damage and could not even recognize his own mother. And so we said, well, can we pray for him and, and, her, and you? And she, she, this was probably the most responsive. She actually came out from behind the bar and, and, and stood there and received prayer, and we ministered extensively uh, to her. And uh, within a week, she contacted Samantha and said that, um, her son not only recovered, this is after six months of being uh, just unable to even recognize his own mom, and is not only recovered, but is back in school. Yeah. Even more than that, she didn't like what she was doing, and so she quit her job and moved back to her hometown. Uh, uh, yeah, she left the industry is what that means. And that's the, the purpose of, of rescuing these women from uh, the sex trade. So pretty amazing. And then we had a great church service. But their service just ended a few hours ago because they're 12 hours ahead of us. And they have it in the evening in, in, in Thailand. And so it's kind of neat. They're just winding down. We're just winding up. Pretty cool, huh? All right. But well, we're here to celebrate Easter and the resurrection. And we've looked at the Last Supper. <clears throat> we've looked at the trial where Jesus uh, and how Jesus was betrayed and abandoned. Last week we talked about Jesus' death on the cross and how that was really the central moment of the story of Jesus' life in the church. Death on the cross for our salvation, for the payment of our sin, <clears throat> was the reason Jesus came. That was his, his primary job, and he accomplished it. Today, we're going to look at the resurrection, which gives us a hope uh, for our future uh, reading from Matthew 28. So we're actually just going to uh, teach expositorially through the whole chapter of Matthew 28, taking it kind of uh, section by section and talking about how that applies um, the death on the cross <coughs> was what happened in the past, and it's a, and a historical fact. It actually happened. Believing that it actually happened historically accurate uh, is, is central to our faith. But the resurrection <coughs> speaks to today and to our future, all right? And listen, if there wasn't a rec- resurrection, there would be no church. 
we wouldn't be here. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's a great, uh, great part of the story. It's, it's, it's the build-up. This is the conclusion. And it begins in chapter uh, 28, 1 through 5. First, we'll read it. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, <coughs> Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And so this was after Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. He'd been uh, in the tomb, uh, buried on Friday, in the tomb all day Saturday. And this is early Sunday morning. They were going to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I like that little detail. <clears throat> you know, it's like he just rolled it back and it sat down, waiting for them. Ah, I just can't wait to get to heaven and see the videos, you know? <laughs> and his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards, these are the Roman guards that were assigned to to guard the tomb so that the, the fear, they feared the disciples would come and steal the body. The uh, guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That means they passed out. They fell over like they were dead. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The Sabbath, uh, it says that now after the Sabbath, you know, every word in Scripture has significance, and this has a lot of significance. And you can research this on your own. I encourage you to do so. I have done so extensively for actually many years. But there's something here that's, that's key. I just want to touch on it and kind of uh, give you an appetizer. But it was after the Sabbath, Jesus' death and then his burial. Do you realize Jesus rested in the grave the entire Sabbath? And I believe that the, the whole of the Sabbath throughout the whole Old Testament, as it talks about the significance of very, very important doctrines throughout the Old Covenant, what does it mean? Well, listen, that was a, a foreshadowing, a prophetic um, uh, uh, word toward the fulfillment that was accomplished when Jesus rested in that grave. And there's a connection. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. And so what does the Sabbath uh, throughout, why do we have to keep the Sabbath uh, perpetually? Because keeping the Sabbath means keeping that the death of Jesus Christ was payment for sin. And in his rest, we enter into rest. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so it's very important that he rested on the Sabbath. He laid in that grave. But Sunday morning is the first day of the week, okay? The day after the Sabbath, otherwise called throughout Scripture prophetically, there's a theme called the eighth day and you can research that it's the new day of new beginnings <coughs> and and so that's the first day of the week and every sunday is a celebration of the resurrection you can do church on any day of the week <coughs> no, no single day is more significant than another but when we celebrate on sunday morning we are celebrating because of the resurrection all right it's 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 celebrating the new beginning all right <coughs> that was my little personal uh a hobby horse <laughs> thrown in there. Jesus was already risen. The angel had removed the stone for the women's sake. All right? the, the, the angel didn't come down and move the stone so Jesus could get out. <laughs> the angel removed the stone so that the women and later his disciples could come in and see. And there's an interesting contrast here between what happened to the Roman guards and what happened to the women. Because the guards here represent worldly power value, authority, they had the right, listen, the, the, these were Roman, you know, soldiers, and Rome was the world power 
uh, bigger, stronger, wealthier uh, than any other world power in human history, all right? And it was at really uh, at the pinnacle of its military strength here. And so you have the elite soldiers in the elite army standing guard, <coughs> and that represents world authority, worldly power, worldly right. They were men, right? They were armed. They were not just any men. They were the biggest, strongest, trained soldiers representing the, the authority of the world. Uh, the women, on the other hand, <coughs> represent the complete opposite in status, especially in their day, but throughout all time. You know, women <coughs> in most cultures are seen as lesser than men, and that's ridiculous, right? Because there's not a man alive that didn't come from a woman. <laughs> Never understood that idea. <laughs> so it's like we're, we're dependent 100% on women. Amen? Hey, she brought my watch. <laughs> She's watching out for me. Ooh. It's funny, you know, Tim, Tim Gordon, uh, he lives in, in Thailand. He's the pastor over there now in Thailand, 18 year, 19 years in, in China. Uh, speaks perfect Mandarin, learning Thai. <coughs> He's really into puns. <laughs> but nobody gets him because he lives with all these people that don't speak English. <laughs> so for the whole week, Anthony, uh, uh, Tim, and, and I were constantly doing uh, pun duels. So anyway, okay, sorry about that. So the women represent <coughs> the opposite in, in regards to status, certainly in regards to power and physical strength. These are just ladies, you know, going to check out the tomb in fear probably because their leader had been crucified, coming up against a, Roman, a, gar a garrison of Roman soldiers. And, 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 and even more than that, they were, you know, Hebrews, they were Jews under the dominion of the Roman Empire, right? So they were being occupied. There was an occupying force. So they had no military authority or strength. They had no political authority or strength. They had no uh, economic or social political authority or strength. <coughs> In every way, they represented the marginalized. But the reaction was, when the angels showed up, the soldiers fell over like they were dead. And the angels spoke to the women. Why? I'll tell you why. It says right in it. Because they uh, were seeking Jesus. Hang on, I hit the wrong button. Don't you love technology? No, I, I seriously, I just hit the wrong button. So now I'm going to mess around. Yeah, we're rebooting. No, no, you guys are all right. It was this. I hit the wrong button. Boom, 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 boom. There we go. Why? Don't be afraid. Huh? <laughs> I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. What was the difference between the guards and the women? The women were seeking Jesus. The women were seeking Jesus. And that transcends every social, economic, political, racial, fill-in-the-blank reason 
that would marginalize them and places them at the front of the line. Places them where they can receive an angelic visitation. They were able to see and hear the words of the angel where the Roman guards with all their pomp and all their prestige and all their power couldn't stand to hear it. Literally fell over dead, but the women were spoken to by the angel and were witnesses to the resurrection. Likewise, if we're seeking Jesus, we need not fear, regardless of where we're coming from. Are you hearing me? This applies to you. Seek Jesus. Pursue Christ. And you'll hear from heaven. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 6. He is not here, they, the angel said, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you so. I kind of like that too, because the angel was like excited that he got chosen of all the angels in heaven, right? I, I told you so, right? I, when we get to heaven, he's like, I'm the one. I was the one that told him, right? <coughs> So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And so here we see that, that, that interesting uh, dynamic, that combination of, you know, they were terrified. This was big stuff happening. They didn't understand it all, but boy, they were excited too. There was fear mingled or mixed with joy, and they ran to bring his disciples the word. <laughs> he is risen as he said. The angel highlighting that, listen, Jesus kept his word. Jesus kept his promise. And we can have that same confidence that Jesus keeps his word, right? And he said something else. He said he's going to return. And that's the word that we are waiting on now, all right? Just like the disciples had to wait. In the Old Testament, they had to wait for the coming of Messiah, and they had to wait for a long time. And many of them gave up. In the days of Jesus, they had to wait until he died. He laid in the grave. They waited for the resurrection, but he came back to life just like he said he would. And then he left and he said, I'm going to return. And the angel said, you're going to see him come down just like you saw him go up. All right. We're now waiting. We are in the place of waiting for Jesus to keep his promise. He will keep his promise. He will return. And then he says, the angel says, come and see, go and tell. <clears throat> come and see, go and tell. So come and see. See, he's not here. Check it out. And then go and tell. The angelic message is very clear, all right? And it's a template, all right? This, this, what the angel says is really a great template for evangelism or for speaking uh, to those who have yet to come and see. Find someone that's looking for something and tell them they're looking for Jesus because Jesus is the answer to every need in our life. And then say, come and see. He's no longer in the grave. He rose from the dead. He kept his promise. And then go and tell. That is the message of heaven. Come and see, Christ is risen from the dead. Go and tell others about it. <clears throat> All right, Matthew uh, 28, verse 9 says, And they went to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! <clears throat> so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Again, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? You know, it's one of the most commonly repeated phrases throughout Scripture. Because when you encounter God or angels or a revelation from heaven, the natural re reaction is fear. Uh, and, and if you've never gotten to the place where you've encountered God to the degree that it caused 
some fear to rise up. And you, you probably haven't gotten a full revelation yet. There's more to see, all right? But always with it is the assurance, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Uh, and then Jesus repeats, go tell my brethren uh, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This word rejoice is, uh, is actually used 74 times in the New Testament, um, and it's just a common greeting. It's the appropriate word. I, I like how it's translated in, in many of the translations, New King James especially, but uh, in many of them it's translated rejoice. And that's how that word in the Greek is most often translated. Uh, in some translation, if you're reading, you, you may say it just says he greeted them because it was the common greeting. And so there in, in, in the written uh, uh, transcripts, it's like it can be translated either he greeted them or he said, greetings, right? Uh, or rejoice. Uh, I think this nails it, right? The very first words of the risen king is rejoice. Now, we don't know how he said it. We don't know if he said, rejoice, you know, which I don't think he did, you know, because it would be totally out of character. Yeah, he didn't pull up Pavarotti, right? <coughs> I think he was leaning against the tree and said, hey, cheers. And they're like, just don't be afraid. It's me. <laughs> All right, this was the beginning of a new era, right? Completely. Sin and Satan had been conquered. He had just won the battle of eternity. And he'd come up out of the grave after defeating death itself. Satan, right? Conquering it, proving that he is who he claimed to be. And now it's after the battle was won. And he's standing there and he's meeting his followers. And he's like, hey, be happy. Be happy. So Jesus' first act after the resurrection is to meet these women, lowly, just regular old women. Actually, uh, you know, Mary Magdalene had somewhat of a questionable past. Uh, and he met them face to face. That's what it says. The word met, he met them, can literally be translated face to face. He looked into their faces. He's a personal savior to individuals. Yes, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He rules heaven and earth. But in that rule, he meets you face to face, just like he met these women. And he said to them, rejoice. Right? And that's what Jesus wants to do to you and to your neighbor and to your coworker and to your boss and to your employee and to the people down the street and the beggars on the streets in Thailand and the prostitutes in the uh, 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 in the bars in, in Chiang Mai, right? And the Johns that go visit them, all right? They, Jesus, the resurrected King of Kings, the one who conquered the sin that trapped so many of us, wants to meet us face to face and say, man, I'm giving you a reason to rejoice. I've conquered it. Oops. <clears throat> it says, uh, and they came and worshipped him, but Jesus said, just like the angel, okay, now that you've seen me, go and tell. Come and see Go and tell. <clears throat> so there's a significance to this scene. I want to elaborate a little bit. Eve, remember Eve? That was another significant woman in the story of the Bible. <clears throat> Eve, as a woman, was deceived by Satan and was enticed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was the entry point, right, uh, of Satan's strategy that led to the fall and to all of mankind's entanglement with sin and death, right? So it was a woman who had listened to 
the devil and been lured into and deceived into eating of the fruit. And then her husband, Adam, ate and, and sinned willingly, right? And sin entered into earth. And here we see Jesus, the tree of life, right? Jesus is the tree of life. <coughs> the tree of life was prophetic symbolism. Uh, it really existed, but Jesus is the fulfillment of what that, that represented. Offering the fruit of eternal life first to a woman. A woman formerly possessed by the devil. Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her, Scripture says. And that's the first person that he meets after the resurrection. And he entrusts her ha, with the message of the resurrection. Who was the first person, the human, that bore the message of the resurrection? A formerly demon-possessed woman. Wow. And he tells her, go and tell the apostles, calling them his brothers. What I see here is a complete unraveling and reversal, overturning of the strategy of Satan uh, that came to destroy mankind. It's an unraveling of the curse. All right? And so every aspect of the curse, every consequence of sin, Christ's death and resurrection kind of just untangles that gnarly knot strand by strand. And this is a very important strand here because it was the entry point through which the curse came that Christ first unravels by giving a woman who had been deceived by the enemy the message of life to tell to his brothers. I think that's pretty amazing. I don't know about you. <coughs> All right? We see the completeness of redemption through Jesus' death and resurrection. In other words, this means that every aspect of the curse, every consequence of sin, every influence of Satan, through Christ's death, through the power of his resurrection, can be undone. All right? That's redemption. A return to what is right. That's what righteousness is. Right standing with God, but rightness in every way. So how does this apply? To you and I. Well, I believe that regardless of the entry point that, in, that was in your life where deception came or when sin came in or when some demonic strategy came in or some confusion or destruction or breaking of relationship with God or others or even yourself, that entry point is the very place where Jesus comes and intervenes with the truth of his power over death, power over sin, power over Satan, right? Power over deception, power over uh, sickness, power over whatever it is. And he comes and he meets at that entry point. All right? And that's where we, that's where you and I need to encounter resurrection power. Where you were deceived about something. Where you believed a lie. Or where you acted on some temptation. God comes. Jesus comes right there. And says, okay, here's the truth. And this is how my resurrection undoes that, that the damage that was done through the curse. That's what Easter's all about. That's what we're celebrating. Uh, Jesus' victory over all things related to death and Satan and sin. All right, story continues. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. Uh, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying to them, uh, tell them his uh, saying, tell them his disciples. Another tell whoever 
uh, asks you or, or their, their uh, rulers over them, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. All right, and this is just so ridiculous because <laughs> a, a, a guard of soldiers, they don't all sleep at the same time, right? They know how to guard things. Uh, <laughs> they're really good at it. <laughs> and if it, if it comes to the governor's ears, in other words, if, if, if your boss finds out, we will appease him and make you secure. Uh, so they took the money <coughs> and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Uh, this day being the day that this book was written, uh, but it actually continues to this day because people still claim that, oh, well, there's just so many different <coughs> answers to wha what happened to Jesus' body. So even most, most atheists or, or, or non-believing historians uh, will, uh, most of them will acknowledge, uh, it's almost conclusively agreed uh, among all genuine historians that Jesus lived. He just is too influential of a character to have been made up. <coughs> and, and again, nearly all credible historians also agree that he was crucified. All right? But the answer to what happened to the body is the real question. And so there's many, many, many stories. Uh, some people just dismiss it out of hand, but they're, they're just committing historical. It's not even an error of faith. It's an error of reason. <laughs> uh, because Je the evidence of Jesus' life his, 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 the general story of his life is so uh, uh, fully, there's so much evidence of it, it's almost irrefutable whether or not you believe he is who he said he is. But here we see right at the beginning uh, this story of the, 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 the religious authorities instituted a cover-up. And that's just what they've been doing ever since. And I think this is really great <coughs> that this is in the scripture. This is in our, our, our faith document. All right? We're not afraid to, um, to have these type of accusations written right out. In fact, we'll tell you what the other people are saying. All right? That's what the Bible is doing here. It's like, they, they said this, and we're not afraid. We're not afraid that that's going to come out. In fact, we'll just tell you. You may hear that uh, someone just stole the body. Or you may hear, another answer is that <coughs> God supernaturally replaced Jesus uh, before he died on the cross with someone else. <coughs> you know, there's a word for that. I can't remember it. Like a whole bunch of people around the world believe that. That's the general belief in, for most Muslims because they believe Jesus was a prophet they, and God wouldn't uh, allow a, prophet to, uh, God, a righteous prophet to die. And so he took Jesus' body and switched it with someone that looked just like Jesus on the cross. <coughs> I don't believe that. I believe Jesus actually died. I believe it was the, the reason he came. All right? But this is evidence, I believe, biblical, strong biblical evidence that uh, this story is no myth. It's not something just uh, made up to convince people of truth. It's really the story of what happened. <coughs> and so to this day, many people try to refute the resurrection in many, many different ways. The 11 disciples, uh, verse 16 went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. <laughs> and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. <laughs> Did someone hear a sound? I guess I thought. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Matthew's account <clears throat> does not just seems to be a bit of joy in the house this morning. Right? You sense that? I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. All right. Ah! Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's okay uh, um, to celebrate what we're celebrating this morning. It is the celebration of all time. You know, it's the resurrection, guys. You know, it's baptism. It's new life. All right. Um, and it's good to be joyful in God's house. Matthew doesn't say a lot in his record concerning what happened between the resurrection and Christ's ascension. So the resurrection was, is when Jesus came back out of the grave, out of death, and on, on Sunday morning, he appeared to many people. There was actually quite a bit of, uh, I think it was 40 days, right, <coughs> where he appeared to uh, different people at different times that's recorded in other places. Matthew's account uh, is very focused <coughs> to just say the main points because he has a purpose. He's presenting the information not in an encyclopedic format, but to tell a story for a reason. And, uh, uh, and so what we see in this, this condensed version, if you will, of what happened is that both the women and the disciples respond to Jesus by worshiping. When the women saw Jesus on the road, the first thing they did was to worship. When the, when, when the disciples, when Jesus showed up at the disciples, they worshiped. They weren't commanded to worship. Jesus didn't say, worship me, I've risen from the dead. He said, hey, cheers, rejoice, howdy. And their initial response was, oh, they, they probably fell down. That's what the Hebrew word for worship means, is to just fall down uh, in adoration. Whatever they did, it was heartfelt, it exploded from them. It was a worship, <clears throat> and likewise, we should worship. Uh, uh, when we encounter, it's the natural response to, to encountering the King of Kings. But here, it's very interesting. Again, uh, uh, evidence that this story is not just concocted to convince people. Because in this climactic moment, it says that some of his, the core of the core, after his death, after his resurrection, still some doubted. Right? Wow. That's what it said. Let's go back and read it. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Wow. <clears throat> I looked at every other one of the gospel records, and it, it, it's, it's told a little different, but in every, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's, there's the mention of doubt. And John, it's doubting Thomas. But in Mark and Luke also, there's an incident where they express doubt. <clears throat> now, we don't know what they doubted. All we know, it doesn't explain. It just says some worship, but some doubted. But there's still some doubting. We don't know what they were doubting. It doesn't go in, especially in Matthew's gospel. The other gospels kind of zero in on a particular part. But here, it's very general. <clears throat> They'd just been recently significantly let down by this guy, right? I mean, they had everything invested in him, and then he gets arrested, tried, and crucified. 
So maybe they were just being a little cautious. Like, I don't know if I can buy into this a second time. Right? Maybe they're just overwhelmed. Like, can this be true? I mean, can this be true? You know, and that's a legitimate doubt. And, and, and you and I and people certainly in our day, when you say, listen, Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and he rose again, and he's coming back to set you free. You know, everything you've done is washed and cleansed. You don't have to pay the penalty. It's like, well, that's too good to be true. I know. It's valid to express that doubt. The Bible's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of that. Jesus doesn't mind mentioning it in the story of his resurrection concerning his, his most valued disciples. How much less should it bother you or I that we might struggle with doubt? Maybe they doubted themselves. Listen, they'd all run away. They were hiding just a few days ago, right? And now this same Jesus, some of them act actively denied, is standing before them. Wow, can I do it? Can I follow this guy? I couldn't a few weeks ago. Can I do it now? Am I good enough? It's okay if those doubts exist. This is the point. Doubt among the disciples does not deter Jesus in giving them the Great Commission. And I love that. I love that. I love that about Scripture. I love that about the Bible. I love that about my Lord and Savior. All right? This scene is the essence in my heart. In my, and the way I see it, the way I read this, is really the essence of Christianity. It's the church. It's what the church is all about. It's what a life of a believer is. All right? There's worship but there's doubt there lingering. Jesus is standing right there. Jesus, risen from the dead, is standing right there. There's worship happening, but there's still that struggle of doubt. That even in the midst of that, the call is given. Go and tell. Come and see. Go and tell. Because it's Jesus' authority, not our own. It's Jesus' faithfulness, not our own faithfulness that frees us, right? It's Jesus' authority over heaven and earth that empowers our commission to go and tell, not our own uh, level of faith, not our own uh, lack of doubt. Is this making sense? <clears throat> so in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, we can come and see and go and tell. <clears throat> and even if part of your telling is, it seems too good to be true, and sometimes I struggle with believing it myself, all right? But this is what happened. And if you tell it, like Matthew told it, like God tells it, people are going to respond, and they're going to get saved, and they're going to get baptized. Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> to him has been given all authority. This is what we tell. What do you tell? This is what we tell. Jesus is Lord. His resurrection proves it. My question to you, is Jesus your Lord? Have you accepted that? Have you confessed, like the, the girls this morning, have you confessed? Jesus is my Lord. And if you haven't, you can do that right now. All right? Or if you've confessed it, but you haven't been living it, you can confess again right now. Jesus, I'm not going to let the lingering doubts keep me back. I'm going to come and see, and I'm going to start going and telling, because I believe that you are Lord. All right? Let's just say it together. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Lord means he's the boss. He's God. He's in charge. What do we tell him? Make disciples. Go into all the world. Make disciples. 
Become a follower of Jesus. Tell people, follow Jesus. Paul said, follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Right? <clears throat> and so that's what we're to tell others. Come and see. Come and see. Go and tell. Go and tell. So are you a follower? Okay, you believed. Now are you following? Are you walking it out? Are you doing what Jesus did? Are you learning <clears throat> more and more of what God calls you to and what this life means? What do we tell them? We tell them to be baptized. All right? So water baptism is very significant. I believe in it. Um, but the word baptize actually means to be overwhelmed. Like if you're standing on the shore and a big wave comes and just knocks you right over. You know, it doesn't hurt you, but it just overwhelms you. All right? Uh, that's what the word literally means, or being, being uh, uh, submerged in, in, and filled at the same time. <clears throat> Have you been overwhelmed in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? I don't believe it's just a religious ceremony. I believe it means encountering God the Father, encountering Jesus Christ the Son, and encountering the Holy Spirit in a way that overwhelms you. All right? Have you? Have you? And, and, and whatever degree you have, there's more to be had because it'll take an eternity to get to know an infinite God, right? He says, teach them, baptize them, to observe, and then teach them to observe all things that I have commanded them. Uh, this call applies to every part of our lives, right? Are you and I observing all that Jesus taught? And are you, uh, in your presentation of God's words and God's message, both in the way you live and the words you say, are, are you covering all the bases? Right? All that Jesus taught, that's the gospel. I've risen from the dead. I have power over death and sin and Satan. Now go tell the world. Tell them what? Tell them Jesus is the Lord. Tell them to become disciples. Tell them to be baptized. And tell them to observe everything that I said. Because that's living the freedom that the resurrection has gained us. And the last thing is the best thing for I am with you always. We're not alone. Even to the end of the age, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with you. Once you've accepted him, <clears throat> believe him, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. All right, we're just going to close in prayer. Why don't you stand? <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for your resurrection. We thank you that you spared not even your son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross. And Lord, uh, as we said corporately just a few moments ago, that Jesus, you're our Lord. I pray a blessing of uh, the fullness of resurrection life on everyone here, that from this moment on, they would experience more and more of what it means to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.